You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. All right, folks. Welcome back to the latest Mountain Swire Football Podcast Week 10 recap is here. Yeah, that's I, I'm being weird this morning or this evening, depending when you're listening, Matt, because you can listen to this podcast anytime you want, right? Anytime mm-hmm. you want. Preferably sooner than later, right? Yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely a timely podcast, so yeah. This one is, yes. MWR.com is our website. You can find our podcast anywhere, pretty much. We added a few platforms recently, like Spotify, but uh, let's just get to it because we had a little issue moments ago so let's re let's matt word for word what do we say for air force let's go <laughs> doesn't well, we work that way start by, we should probably start by mentioning that they won they their did second leg of the commander-in-chief's round robin 17 to 13 over army which means if i'm correct it goes back to, if army wins they get it because it'd be a tie among everybody yes so but if navy gets it, navy gets it back so that is correct it's a big deal, but cool. All right, let's get to the game itself. We'll get to this quickly again. It may not be as pristine as before, but we'll make it as like it never had always happened how it's supposed to be. 17-13, this game was a one, as we mentioned, a defensive victory for Air Force more more than anything else. Passing game wasn't great. Rushing game, pretty good with Timothy Jackson, but overall, goal line stands and stopping Army's running attack to basically nothing was how they got to victory. But it's still close, 17-13. Yeah, it was kind of strange because as the game progressed, you kind of got the sense that Air Force should have been able to manage a little more breathing room than they did. Um, And I think that you really don't have to look much further than how the two teams played in the first half, where Army went into halftime with a 6-3 lead. And they were almost dead even on a per-play basis. Um, But Air Force had really been able to assert itself on the ground, you know, on yards per carry, you know, Air Force is at 7.2. Army was only at 4.2. So they were, the Falcons were outgaining them by three yards a carry. And the only reason that Air, or the Army was able to get that edge was because, you know, again, Air Force found itself in a position where they couldn't stop giving up chunk plays. You know, Jabari Laws was 4-4 in that first half for 100 yards. And, you know, that really set up Army uh, on both of their scoring drives. So it was just one of those kind of strange things where you know they were enabled they were able to correct it in the end um and they were kind of i guess you would say outlast army um but it's you're i think you're definitely right that it was more uh what the defense was able to do that was really the kind of the tenor of this game hey want to break your news really quick that just came across the wire there's nothing to do with mountain football but it's college football related boy taggart has been fired from florida state well, it never really did get much better after losing to Boise, huh? And almost to Georgia Southern, it was. South Alabama. That's true. Well, can we credit for Boise State with another victory after dethroning Billy Taggart? I feel like there should be like a bonus for that. If you if you if, like you're, if you if you're part of a, a schedule <laughs> where a, a head coach gets fired, like you should get bonus points for that somehow. All right, silly season coaching season is here, but we'll, we'll talk, if that affects us, we'll get to it later. But as for this Army Air Force game, you mentioned like the yards per play and everything, like the uh, Army Rush offense. You meant we mentioned looking through their long play of thirty-eight yards, 
they had had under 100 yards if there wasn't one big play. They still had it, but kind of tells you how unproductive the offense was for Army moving the ball. And I think it was especially impressive because when you look at the, the defensive stat sheet for the Falcons, you know the only tackle for loss that they had was a sack that Jordan Jackson had. So it wasn't even that they were getting a lot of penetration up front either. It was you know the kind of situation where Air Force or excuse me Army wasn't really able to get many chunk plays, um, and there was a lot of you know one two three yard runs and keeping the Black Knights out of favorable third down situations, which I think ultimately kind of played into the Falcons' favor, even though both teams ended up five of 13 on third downs. You know, the other thing that I look at is the fact that we knew coming into the game, Army wasn't going to hesitate to go for it on fourth down if they had the chance to do so. And the Falcons held them to one of three on those opportunities as well. So yeah, especially that first play drive of the game, one yard out, they get stuffed and no points. That could have been the difference. There you go. Even if field goal, who knows, could have made a difference. Touchdown field goal, could have been closer, but Air Force gets to win. Passing play wasn't great for the Falcons, but it's one of the teams where games where they're a pretty good teams. They're sitting at, what, 7-2, undefeated at home, where they can have a bad game and still beat opponents. Because Army, it's a rival. They usually run better than what they did. They're usually a pretty good team on the ground, especially the past couple years. But that's how you can tell a good team. Like when we get to Boise, San Jose State, kind of the same thing. You may not play your best, but you still somehow come away with victory because you're just better than the other team. Mm-hmm. And that's how this one kind of played out. There's more of a defensive play. Cause we always mention air force defense. Typically like year in year out's not amazing. It's usually just okay. With like one or two guys that are pretty good. Well, and I think that you have to give this defense credit too, for the fact that even though they kind of struggled for, I guess you would say what 57, 58 minutes against the pass. <laughs> Cause or and it wasn't even Army's starting quarterback that was doing most of the damage. Back-o. It was Jabari lost the backup who was 9 of 11 for 214 yards and, and not one touchdown. But, you know, in that last <coughs> goal line stand that the Falcons were able to make, Army decided to throw it uh, three of four times, you know, from the, from the seven and then from the five-yard line. And there was a, a lot of consternation about that decision from Army fans. I was following the conversation a little bit on Twitter. But, you know, we saw Air Force struggle against Navy down the stretch in that exact same way. So I didn't really have a problem with army rolling the dice in that regard. It just didn't work out. You know, they had, uh, I think it was a wide receiver open, uh, wide open on either third or fourth down and, and Hopkins just missed him. So, you know, credit to air force for kind of doing what they needed to do to hold the line when it mattered the most. Question. Have we heard back from the Jacksonville Jaguars about using Duvall? Is that I have heard nothing. Okay, so that, that gives me, if they don't say anything, that's a yes. Yes. However, they were busy in London this morning playing a game, so they're kind of busy this week with long travel weekends. So we'll that's give, true. We'll give a pass, but we'll just take it with Timothy Jackson with a big game. So, all right, let's move on to the uh, next game. Is it Colorado State Army? Or excuse me, Colorado State UNLV. Is that game number two? Yes, it is. Is, is Colorado State good? They, I mean offensively think, are they good <laughs> here's here's the thing i think it depends on the context you choose to give it because yes they beat unlv 37 to 17 not as close to the final score said it was i mean it was the kind of game where you know you look at the box score and you see that colorado state took the first play from scrimmage back for a touchdown mm-hmm or not even the first place return. It's just the opening kickoff, yeah. 99 yards from Anthony Hopkins. There were so many kickoffs over the weekend, too. It was crazy returns. So, sorry, go ahead. 
And so it was just one of those things where it's like, yeah, okay, this game is over. And then <laughs> it was over. <laughs> and then on on their first offensive possession, you know, UNLV didn't really offer a lot of resistance, and they scored again. And then, you know, all of a sudden you're looking up and it's twenty-one to nothing, and you think, okay, well, is UNLV really going to be able to get back into this game? And as it turned out, the answer was no. Like they didn't really get the offense going until they were down what twenty-four nothing, thirty-one nothing, or something like that. The Rams put in another quarterback as well late in the game, too, because Patrick O'Brien, he had a good enough day. Let's put in Justice McCoy, see what he can do. And two for two, 20 yards. Not bad. I mean, it's just, I don't know what you do if you're you know, UNLV. And I think that kind of explains part of the answer for, like, is Colorado State legit? Because, you know, you UNLV, that's a problem. <laughs> <laughs> well, you look back at what they've done over the last five weeks. So, so far in conference play, they've played Utah State. San Diego State, New Mexico, Fresno, and UNLV. And, you know, in some respects, like the uh, the offense, again, they didn't seem to be missing Marvin Kinsey that much. You know, they didn't really have trouble getting the ball no. to Warren Jackson, for instance, who, if I remember correctly, Justin Michael uh, had put out a tweet saying, I think he set a new program record for most receiving yards in a four-game stretch. It you makes know, sense. He finished with six catches for 133 yards. O'Brien was 17 of 27 for 234 yards. And, you know, even though Marcus McElroy, I, I think he missed most of the second half, if not all of it, as kind of an injury precaution, if I'm not mistaken. But, you know, behind him, you know, I think it, uh, I'm trying to remember the guy's name. Christian Hunter? And receiving or rushing? Uh, yeah, Christian Hunter, the Richard freshman, 12 carries, 79 yards, and a score himself. And Jalen Thomas had a touchdown, seven carries, yeah. 30 yards. So they didn't really need to do all that much to really assert themselves. And, and even, you know, Christian Camper came in and crushed a 50-yard field goal. Like, that's the Boom. kind of day it was for Colorado State where just everything was clicking. But I think that you you also have to look at the schedule ahead and, you know, you realize that they've got back-to-back-to-back rivalry games coming up now. And that... I think is going to really tell you whether they're fully back or not. Because like we saw some of the teams that they've played so far rebound, I think Fresno state in particular. Um, but again, like I think there's just enough uncertainty where yes, the team is playing well, but they still have something to prove down the stretch in rivalry games where they have historically struggled over the last few seasons. You mean under Mike Bobo, they've historically struggled. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, they are four they are four and six. You mentioned they host Air Force. They get a bye week, so they get a week to prepare for the Falcons. Go to Wyoming, who will get to I guess at the end of the show, Sean Chambers looks to be out for the year. And they host Boise State, who needed everything and everything to beat San Jose State on the road this weekend. So like could they beat Wyoming without Sean Chambers? Maybe. Could they beat Air Force? Like Say, I'm not going to rule them out getting six victories and being eligible after they played the past couple weeks. Yes, they played New Mexico, Fresno, and UNLV, but they seem to be doing enough to win. So. I mean, I definitely think you're right, but you know, it's you know, for instance, you know, the offense as good as it's played, you might have said the same thing last year mm-hmm. or the year before that, and as well as like the defensive front, for instance, played against UNLV, like they they had five team sacks. Um, and you, know, you might have said that they had some talent up front, but I think that there's still that little bit of prove it. There still is, especially defense. Yeah. But, I mean, I wouldn't count them out against maybe – like even – Boy State's at home. It's probably not a victory. 
But look what, like Patrick O'Brien is being one of the better quarterbacks in conference since in October, November. He's uh-huh. been playing quite well. Like they have the receiving group. Okay, we'll get to the San Jose State Boise game, but San Jose State was passing all over Boise State as well. They're moving the ball. Mm-hmm. And if Rams Rams have a better running attack, in my opinion, than San Jose State, much better receiving group than anybody in the conference. And so, and Boise doesn't have much of a pass rush. I would give them a chance, maybe not a great chance, but I wouldn't be surprised if it would be an outcome similar to the San Jose State Boise game where it's a ton of points. And they're, they're in it until the end. Possibly. Yeah, I mean, I would definitely agree. I think that there's still some things that they're going to have to work on. For instance, the fact that, you know, even though they were blowing out UNLV, they still racked up 11 penalties and 129 penalty yards. Mm-hmm. So there's stuff. It, and that, yeah, and that's been a trend all season long. I think if, if I am not mistaken, I'm trying to look this up as I talk. They, they are the most penalized team in the conference is at least as far as yards are concerned. Like they're, they're still averaging 74 yards and penalties per game. Too many. Yeah. So, you know, they're definitely trending in the right direction, but you know, we know Wyoming has got a good defense. We know Boise has a pretty good defense. Um, they're all good teams. They're all teams. They're, go- they're all good teams. teams. Yeah. So let me talk about UNLV real quick. They had a healthy Armani Rogers didn't play. That tells you something. Mm-hmm. which um, knock knock transfer portal. I'm going to come find somewhere else to play maybe pretty soon. Um, you And then there are brutal questions asked after the game. Do you see when reporters asked if, if Tony Sanchez would step down? I mean, you kind of have to, don't you? That's, you got to have a, that's a good question. That's, that's a tough question to ask, but you do it. But you want to who had the best defense is AD the whole day. Mm-hmm. Basically saying, yeah, it's a tough loss, but we have games left to play and that's what we're going to focus on. Well, and that's, I mean, I think you have to ask those questions just because, oh, you, do? you know, the AD, Desiree Reed francois stated before the season, you know, she, expe- she expected bowl eligibility. And it's not happening. There's seven losses. And it's losses. not happening, no. So, as we mentioned, the, okay, here's why I was listening to something earlier, some other podcast the other day, or maybe it's this morning, just kind of listening to recapping stuff. Taggart's gone, as we mentioned just now. By the time you heard this, who knows it'll go on. But if you hear, like, the trends about who's coaching, if I – I think Sanchez is gone. I don't think he's going to stay because you're not not in a bowl game. You're not really really that close. I you we mentioned what Brent Brennan did, like bringing some position coach. That's kind of where they're going to come from. There's no other head coach that's going to want to take this job or other jobs, and so it might be trying to find some assistant that may not even be a head co- uh, offensive coordinator, or defensive coordinator somewhere. Now, see, I would disagree with that just because New stadium? all of all of the yeah the money. That they have put into this program, you know, not only with the stadium, will that go away? Fortada keep going with, with the it. New Fortita complex. I mean, I Fertitta. think if they want to be serious about contending, can't stop with your guys not doing well. You can't stop. No, I think you have to bankroll somebody because you know what they need to bring a, in. There's a lot of attractive pieces here. I got it. it I'll tell you right now. Just bring in Steve Spurrier to be the coach. Come on, a couple years. Bring him in. Nah, bring nah, the ball coach Vegas. He's a little too old. <laughs> but I mean, I'm just saying, like, you know, I think I can't remember when he wrote it, but but Bill Connolly in one of his season previews, I think it was like two or three years ago, had characterized San Diego State as a sleeping giant. And this mm-hmm. is something that we've talked about before, where, you know, it wasn't always that San Diego State ha- has been as successful as they have, as they have been recently. Yeah, outside of you the know, Marshall Falk years, in the first decade garbage. of the Mountain West, like they were mostly below average. And you know, I see Vegas as a as a destination. But they've been that forever. That Come on, definitely invested. Like they're they're trying to get serious, and the on field product just hasn't matched it. But I think that given the entire wait, wait, picture, how are they serious if they're being gifted a stadium from the Raiders? And I mean, I think that. 
I don't players, think players want to play in a facility like yeah, that. Yeah, I get Let's it. But I mean, that. don't don't. I don't want to believe they're investing in it because they brought in a high school coach first of all on the cheap. They're being gifted the stadium. They're basically renting from the Raiders. Had to fight over parking lot money, and they're only they're getting Furtado money because he likes Tony Sanchez. This isn't. I don't think this is a plan of them saying they're investing when it's all outside money because they hired his guy and the NFL team comes to town. They get to share facilities. I guess what I'm saying is I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, because we talked about it with New Mexico last week, if UNLV goes more the Colorado State route and they make a splash, they hire a big-time coordinator from a big-time conference. That'll tell me they've done, they're wanting to invest. Exactly. But and I th- And I think that for right now, based on everything that I have heard, you know, and I think we've mentioned this before too. The the, the job will open up. Yeah, is what seems to be the the consensus. Because they make they make the AD look foolish. Saying we expect bowl games minimum, and they don't go a bowl game and keep a guy for the rest of his contract. Mm-hmm. It's like that makes you look like uh, not a not necessarily strong leadership. Exactly. And it's not like they're close. It's like it's one thing if you have some bad breaks, you lose like a last second field goal or fluky losses to get you to only five wins. This team is not playing well at all, and there's yeah, there's a lot of issues with the team. But I'm pretty sure to open up. Well, I don't know who would be that guy, but maybe right. Like if you tell me if they go out and get like Clemson's OC to come to town, which seems highly unlikely, he'd probably rather go to Florida State if that since it's not open. Mm-hmm. But like if they get a guy like that, then I'm like, okay, you're serious to buy out this coach and bring in a well-known assistant or even a head coach from somewhere that's um, a decent name that's at a I don't know. Just, I'm just, you know, I mean, you get my point. Like they pay money to get somebody. Yeah. So, all right. So that's it. So let's go to the next game. I'm tired of that one. Let's move on. <laughs> that's that's fair. Let's <laughs> say it's 37 17. Um, yeah, good for you. All right. So now we got the night games. Should we start with? Um, is it Utah State? Um, BYU is that the next chronological game? Sadly, yes. Hey, folks! It was a hum- humiliating loss. Thanks, Twitter. I know. 42 14. BYU Utah State. What yep. happened to Utah State? Two things happened. David Wood, well, a couple of things. Or there's more than two things. I'll give you the quick version. David Woodward didn't play. He's out for the year, by the way. Oh, That's I didn't know he's out for the year. Whew. Jordan Love made two identical, ridiculous garbage interceptions to a dropped back linebacker who just basically jumped and caught the pass like, hey, I'm open, throw it to me twice. And and in BYU side, they actually like to call plays. Did you see they called the exact play, exact same play on the same drive and end around reverse flea flicker twice mm-hmm. on the same drive? Yeah. And I told people before the game, I thought if because you notice it was close when Jaron Hall is in the game, mm-hmm. not so much close when Baylor Romney took over. Nope. And I, that's why that's why I was confident. Like, okay, Utah State's got this. Jaron Hall starting. Look for those design runs. He ran seven times for fifty four yards. One was a nasty, great run, gut run up the middle, but the one that got him hurt, where he dove over the end zone. But for BYU, it's them. I guess the Baylor Romney's not going to start much longer, so we don't have to worry about for San Diego State because I'll be Zach Wilson. But they've been changing their playing calling since they played Boise State a couple weeks ago, and their better quarterback came in in the second half and. Yeah, fewer yards, and I guess less touchdowns because Jaron Hall combined for four. Mm-hmm. But it was him moving the ball better, and Utah State not having a great running game, and Jordan Love throwing three picks, two really bad ones. Yeah, that's kind of what that's kind of what comes down to. Like it kind of seems the defense has fallen off a cliff, hasn't yeah, it? It's I mean, not, you can't, not been good. You can't explain that away simply by David Woodward's absence. Well, I know that's part of it, but you're right; it's some of it. 
you know, just on a per play basis, like you know, the offense, you could make a case was fine aside from the killer turnovers, of course, yeah. and because they were averaging 6.4 yards per play. But the problem was that BYU was averaging eight and a half yards per play. Yeah. And that's the kind of performance that you haven't seen. Like you had to go back. God, I don't even know how many years I'm scrolling through each tab right now. And I'm not seeing any other yards per play figure that starts with an eight. And then back to 2013 at this point. Brent Guy years? I don't know. And also, people real quick, people saying it's as bad as Brent Guy. You don't remember Brent Guy being the coach of Utah State, so be quiet on that too. They were beyond bad those years. So, I mean, and by the way, I had to go back to 2010 before I finally started seeing Yeah, Brent Guy years, right? <laughs> yeah. First year, I believe that's his last year, the first year before Gary Anderson took over, I believe, the first time. I mean, if the defense isn't stepping up and making plays – which, you know, it wasn't even that they were giving up yards per play. Like, they again, they weren't getting any kind of disruption at all. You know, they, they did force a fumble, but they only had two TFLs. And they, they it wasn't like they weren't creating their own opportunities. Like, they did recover a couple of fumbles. They did force an interception themselves. So it wasn't like BYU played a flawless game. But, man, like, when they were able to put their foot down, they just crushed the Aggies. I felt in the game, the interception you mentioned, when they got it, when Utah State, or BYU's driving, they got, I think it was a, it was a red zone interception just about. Mm-hmm. They had twice. They had a fumble in the red zone. They picked up. But the interception, when it's 35-14, like BYU goes, I'm like, oh, it's probably over. I'm like, I'm not going to spend too much more time in the game. Uh, they punt. They get, I'm like, crap. I was, I'm like, this is my last drive when BYU has it. Utah State gets the pick. I'm like, all right, they're, they're pro- there's a chance here. You're down 21 points. Then they go down and nine plays later, Fourth and goal to 12, and got to go for the touchdown. And they got stuffed, Jordan Nathan, right. This, basically, the uh, Patriot, or not Patriot, but Super Bowl with them, not Patriots, um, Rams, uh, Titan Super Bowl. Kevin Dyson yeah. getting stuffed at the one. Or if you want to look back to Arizona, Hawaii this year, St- Keel Hill Tate gets stuffed right at the one. Had they made that, I don't know if they would have won, but it would have been 35 21, much closer. But it's like that's kind of the season. Like, well, I won't say that, 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 that this close, hold my finger, like half an inch apart, but. Fumble the ball, interceptions. Like they had what four turnovers this game? Three picks and a fumble. Mm-hmm. Like they weren't no no five. They had two fumbles. Five turnovers. Yeah. Sorry, five. What that means? What they're minus uh, minus three? I think in a game because BYU had their own fumble. I think or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it was ridiculous. The game is bad. Like this is. Here's the weird thing too about this game. You know because I told you guys last week in the show BYU they couldn't find the wagon wheel because it was in storage somewhere. I think they mentioned it during the game. Apparently they care about the game now because during the post game stuff they had the wagon wheel in the in the locker room and people would hear it when Gary Anderson was talking and players were talking and all them cheering about getting the wagon wheel back because mm-hmm. I guess it's a rivalry now. But like this loss is one of the worst losses in years. Yeah, like I can't think of a word off the top of my head. Like maybe I should have done some research before, but I can't think of a last time they've lost. Okay, I get LSU's one thing that's different. I guess that is a worse loss if you think about it. But like in a game where a loss wasn't expected. This is probably the worst loss in years. I mean, I think you're right. Maybe yeah. Boise State beat down a couple years ago, I think, possibly. That's probably in the mix somewhere. But it's been a while, and it's few and far between. They're not, at least within, say, 17 points of any loss if they do lose. Mm-hmm. And so it's uh, – and they've had two of those back-to-back weeks. They've only scored 21 points. And then they go to – offenses just look terrible. The It wasn't a home road thing because last week was on the road in Colorado Springs, this week at home. They go to Fresno next week, which we'll see because they actually pulled off the upset against Hawaii. So, God, I have no idea what to think about that game. 
<laughs> well, hey, we'll have time to talk about it. You have time to formulate that's, your thoughts. That's the game that's impossible to predict. Utah State Fresno? Yeah. Oh, Do yeah. we have an early line at the moment? Is it like, uh, oh, are you asking me? If yeah, I'm, I'm, I don't know. I'm just in general. I'm asking somebody. You're the only one here with me, so I guess you. <laughs> I haven't looked yet. Uh, let's see what I can find. We'll look in a minute. So next game, I'll kind of introduce that, then we'll get going. So we have the other game here. Is, um, oh, man. I This is riveting podcast when I don't have my right tab open here. Boise State, San Jose State. That's where we're getting at. Um, just FYI. Yeah. Fresno State. Opened at minus two. It's minus three at the moment. Okay, so it's all right. So they're basically even. Oh no, yeah. Um, just just don't bet this game. Trust me. Yeah, don't don't need to waste your hard-earned money on a on a coin toss. Essentially, Boise State fifty-two, San Jose State forty-two. I'll ask you the same question, Matt. Is San Jose State good now, at least offensively. Yeah, I mean, what was really fascinating about this game, and it seemed like everybody on Twitter was pointing it out. It wasn't even that they were doing anything fancy. It was a lot of comeback routes and a lot of back shoulder throws. And amazing catches and throws. Like some were like, how did he catch that? And yeah, Josh Love was just like throwing darts. And, you know, Trey Walker mossed at least one person that I can recall. <laughs> um, and, you know, but, but you know, when it's all said and done, you know, he's racked up 438 yards. And both Trey Walker and Bailey Gaither had over 100 yards and 17 catches between them. But, you know, this is a story of good teams find a way to win. Yeah, and this was a game where it was like as watch, I watched the re, I watched a quick version this morning because I wasn't. That's why I kind of put out a few tweets about like the Curtis Weaver sack and stuff. But I was watching. So I was like, I'll watch Utah State game. It's because I assume it's gonna be more competitive. And boy, was I wrong. But so I didn't really get to this game. I'm like, I knew it was close. I'm like, I'll just wait till the morning, get some sleep, and kind of watch the half hour condensed version online. But. San Jose State was at 14 0. It's like, oh, mm-hmm. Avery Williams saves them, so it's not 14 0. It's seven. Like, here's the thing, too. It's like San Jose State didn't give up. It's not like you see some games, they get out to a 14 0 lead, 17 14, like whatever. They get out to a big lead and then ends up being like 52 to 21, where yeah. it's not like, okay, good job, San Jose State. You scored, you scored two quick touchdowns. We're going to take it from here. This was a game where it's back and forth, and I'll say the biggest play of the game, it was actually probably that drive, not necessarily the play, but on third and 16, Curtis Weaver basically body slams George Josh Love, grabs around the collar in the front, and just takes him down to basically end the game. And even then, it wasn't quite over. That drive led to a touchdown, I believe. But for San Jose State, it still came back and scored points. Like, it wasn't yeah, even it over like, them. You know, was, for, yeah, I'd say maybe four and a half, three and a half quarters, San Jose State had an answer for just about everything. Even then, they came back and answered for touchdown, but... And I think it's it's, it we, it's to the offensive line's credit that it took three and a half quarters for Weber to really make a significant impact mm-hmm. because, you know, it, one, they were kind of getting the, the ball out quickly, which I think kind of neutralized the pass rush a little bit. But two, you know, even when he needed time to throw... You know, that one Curtis Weaver sack was the only sack they had all game long. Yeah, and, the way to make you know, plays they could have made, third and 16, who knows? Yeah, and even though a lot of uh, Boise State defenders were getting hands on passes, like they ended up finishing with 11 pass breakups, pretty which good. that seems like a lot. Yeah, <laughs> it does seem like a lot. Um, you know, it was just the kind of thing where, you know, we haven't really talked enough about the scene. Like we've seen kind of their, their strengths and their weaknesses. We knew coming into this game, like if they could hold up, they could challenge this Broncos defense. And that's exactly what happened. Do we just name Brent Brennan coach of the year now because of how good he's this performance and other ones, or do they need to get to six wins still? 
I mean, I think he's in the conversation, yeah. The tournament, like, everybody thought they were beyond bad. But Josh Love, like, we'll get to after the Hawaii Fresno game, but, like, he might be the quarterback I want to lead my team the last couple weeks. Like, he's, yeah. He's passing as well as anybody outside of, like, I'm looking real quick at yards per play. He's only 0.4 behind Cole McDonald. Three mm-hmm. yards. He's not as effective as Cole McDonald, and percentage wise, you're obviously TD to. More fewer interceptions, but TDs aren't quite there. It's because the offense, but they basically have identical numbers outside of maybe a couple percentage points difference. So, like QB rating, McDonald's a touch better. Hank Bachmeyer is a better rating, but he's like Bachmeyer did fine. He's 13 17. This is basically George Shalani having a great game, four TDs on the ground. He's crushing a high tower, having a huge game to kick return, or not kick, that's Avery, I'm sorry, the 120 something yards rece- receiving, and that one huge play to keep him in the game, that long pass he had. But, like, Love has, like, he is extremely well, and he's going to be back next year. And the offense, like, I don't know, man. They they still – here's the thing, too. Like, they still had no running game or that great of running game. And they – oh, he's not going to be back next year. I'm sorry. He's a senior. Apologies for that. But, like, they had no running game and were one-dimensional still hung with this game and could have won. It took a while for the running game to get going. Yeah. And, and you really don't have to look any further than the chunk plays that they ended up getting on the ground because they had eight total. Mm-hmm. And all eight of them came after halftime. And we knew coming into the game that like San Jose State had been kind of up and down as far as their ability to defend the run. What we also knew was that, you know, opponents, and I think this is still the case, no team in the country has seen more rushing attempts than the Spartans. And I think that, you know, Brian Hartson had to have known that. And, and this is still true, by the way. They've, if you sort by Mountain West teams, um, they have faced nearly a hundred more rushing attempts than the next team. Oh boy, it's just crazy to think about. But anyway, um, but you know, you had to know that Harson knew that, and you know, to their credit, you know, in the first half, they needed to rely upon Bachmeyer to make plays with his arm and to his credit he also played extremely well mm-hmm. you know there was one throw I'm, I remember, I'm remembering where he basically threaded two san jose state defenders to get a ball down the field to hightower and i think it was that one big chunk play that he had the 41 yard catch um but then once the running game was able to kind of settle in it wasn't just george Juani, it was andrew van buren hey, you too. joked about my van buren comment look at that <laughs> i mean he stepped up he Played well down the stretch, nine carries, 85 yards, and a score. Mm-hmm. And that was really, you know, going back to my original comment, good teams find a way to come back and win. And it's, you know, to their credit that they got down 14 nothing. They didn't panic. They got some breaks on special teams on, you know, and they overcame some bad breaks on defense. You know, most particularly the one interception that Bachmeyer threw that he probably should have just thrown away. Yeah. But... Like you know, point, again, so. they, like they they found a way to make a to, to come back and win this game, and that's to their credit. Yeah, they outscored San Jose State thirty five to eighteen in the second half. Yeah, so no, this was a, like nobody thought this game was going to be this close at all because it was what an eighteen point line headed in. Most people, I think all of us picked them, Boise to win like by maybe eighteen to twenty. Like oh, I figured, well, I had I had I had thirty one to sixteen. If I oh sorry, you had so I had the Spartans being like a little bit pesky. I yeah. did not expect to shoot out like this. No, I thought it'd be sort of close. Like, I guess sort of close. A lot of points, but within like twenty points, I think I had. I forgot I had, but I thought it might be they might stick around for a touch. But fourteen zero, it's like cool. And then like you tweet out what's going on. Like everybody's retweeting this thing. It's like what what is this? Boise State's losing to San Jose State. What's well, and going here, on? And here's the upside for Broncos fans because there, there was a lot of consternation about oh my god if Josh Love can do this like what's going to happen? 
if you really look at the next three opponents in particular, um, I don't know if you have to worry about that being a persistent problem because their next three opponents are Wyoming, New Mexico, and Utah State. Yeah, and the way Utah State is playing, I wouldn't trust Jordan Love too much. Yeah, he's their so, toughest opponent, but so TBD. I don't know. I mean, I would I would guess as we talked about earlier that Colorado State would be the one team that could exploit that problematic area. But I think that they've got some time to sort that out until that point. You think so? And so yeah, that's a, it's a win. It keeps him in the mix for the New Year Six stuff, which we may chat about in a second later on as well. But they, they did not lose. They did not pull an app state. They and they got, held steady in the AP Top 25 as well. Did they go up a spot or they still won? Same spot. No, they are still number 21. But they're San behind. San Diego State, by the way, since we won't get a chance to talk about them, they moved up from 25 to 24. And then they're still 20. And both polls, right? Or they entered one poll, I believe, because they weren't ranked them. Uh, they were. They entered the coaches' poll. Okay. Thanks, coaches. You're welcome for getting or recognizing the Aztecs there. So I get. And the only teams ahead of. We'll have the playoff stuff later, which we'll like to get to. But only what? Cincy and Memphis are ahead of Boise now? Uh, I believe so, yeah. We'll chat about that later, but then me and Raja might have an emergency podcast Tuesday night to see how that goes, so we'll get going. Final game of the weekend. No, 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 there's two more. There's two more. Wait, what did I miss here? You may not have paid attention to Nevada and New Mexico. Oh, I no, actually, I did. I forgot. I did watch that after Utah State. Um, Cons- considering the pyrotechnics elsewhere, you can be forgiven I'm for sorry. a little bit. I'm sorry, it was this game. what, 21-10? I saw one of the touchdowns. Wolfpack win. They are one one away from bowl eligibility. There you go. Carson Strong, two, two touchdowns, 305 yards passing, and Bob Davies still has a job as of far as we know. It was kind of an interesting game plan because they were they weren't really taking a lot of shots deep, especially early in the game. They were kind of nickel and diming them underneath in trying to soften up the defense that way, which is where you get a stat line of 28 for 40 and 305 yards, two scores. But most importantly, you know, they didn't make any big mistakes. You know, they didn't turn the ball over at all. And they were eventually able to find that big play with, you know, Romeo Dobbs, especially with 11 catches, 167 yards and a touchdown. So, you know, it wasn't the prettiest performance all around. Like both teams did have some troubles moving the ball consistently. You know, there was one stretch for Nevada in particular where they had, I think, three three and outs in a row in it early in the third quarter. So they weren't able to pull away until getting that fourth quarter touchdown drive. But it's to their credit that the defense was able to step up, keep things muddy, keep Tavaka Tuyoti contained. And, you know, they didn't give up any big rushing plays either. Like Amari Davis, I think only had what, 81 yards, 80 yards, excuse me, on 15 carries. So they really held their, the Lobos explosive element in check and let the offense do just enough to kind of keep them at bay. All right, so they're one one away from bowl eligibility. They beat New Mexico, who didn't run the ball very well. Oh, sorry, I looked the wrong thing. Yeah, they didn't run extremely well with Bryson Carroll and everybody. I, this is just a nondescript game, really. Carson Strong played fine. Like, he seems well enough to beat their quarterback, but you're playing New Mexico. I, you know what the best part of this game was? They ramble. No interceptions by New Mexico. When's the last time we can say that, Matt? That's true. They still lost, though. <laughs> I mean, we should probably point out Mo Vinacolo as well. Mm-hmm. Four and a half tackles for loss and a sack. Pretty good, right? And Dom Peterson, who had two big Boom. third down sacks as well, and uh, three tackles for loss in total. So, is New Mexico in the same spot as UNLV as wanting a new coach or needing a new coach? They'd better. <laughs> they better be. That's a pretty affirmative response there. 
I mean, I mean, at this point, you just you kind of have to clean house. I think that I think it is too because they tried bringing in daily for the OC, and then they, it, I guess they technically upgraded within for DC. That's kind of Bob Davies like, all right, let's see what I can do here. Let me move, remove these guys, get my own guys here, and see what happens. So, I Mexico like they have some pieces here, as we can tell. Like they have a good running attack. They apparently have a plethora of wide receivers, but. They're two and seven. They're not even this game. Twenty one ten wasn't didn't seem all that competitive. It's like the one. No, I mean, I mean, they had chunk plays here and there. Yeah, but, like you know, I think four Same different thing. receivers had at least one twenty yard catch. It's just that they weren't able to string drives together. They just aren't an efficient offense. Yeah, that's always was one. I mean, while the score is close, they move the ball, move the ball, but then they third down. Oh, at the punt like this game, five fifteen third down, zero oh, and two fourth downs. They get yards. They can move the ball because they're. They outrushed Nevada quite a bit by two yards a carry. Mm-hmm. They are within a yard on yards per pa- pass attempt or per yards per pass. So they were moving the ball reasonably well, as you mentioned about those big plays. But it just when it counts, when they really need that one play, they don't have it. Yeah, exactly. And so, I don't know. Let's um, Who does Nevada got next week? Are they going to make a bowl game? They're sitting at five and four. Ooh, San Diego State, Fresno, UNLV. Probably. I think they'll get to six, right? I mean, they they got to win that rivalry game, right? Yeah, like they have to do it this year. Yeah, yeah. are they going to be the team that kicks Tony Sanchez to curb officially? I mean, <laughs> you'd like that, right? If you're a Nevada fan, kind of think so because UNLV. I think one of Sanchez's saving graces is that more often than not, he has had Nevada's number. But I think as as rough as they have looked recently, you know, and again, this is another one of those things that we talked about with, uh, Colorado State earlier. Like you might have said the same thing last year. Yeah. When Nevada was clearly the better team, but again, I think that you know, considering the tough road ahead in November, yeah, I think UNLV is definitely going to be their best opportunity to get that sixth win. All right, now let's get to the final game of the weekend. I apologize, right. Lobos and Rebel and not Rebels, Wolfpack fans. Fresno State Hawaii, which was a, a unique way to watch this game if you're able to, which I could not. Random local television in the Fresno area. Thanks, local television. Can they at least stick it on like a CW affiliate? Because that probably you probably could have gotten that, right? I, I could have, yeah. You got the My TV, which shows My TV, whatever, which, which used to show random ACC games, and I think it shows like stadium games now. And it's 2019. If they intended a game to be on Facebook, just let it be on Facebook for everybody. I wonder what because here's the thing, they picked up the Spectrum feed. Was Fresno local Fresno affiliate My TV able to sell their own local ads against it? Maybe that's the reason they wanted to do it. I have no idea. Who cares? Nobody watches that channel anyway. That's, That's like the only time per year that they would watch that channel. <laughs> That's the point, but still. Regardless, come on. It's like, how much money could they really make? 20 grand? Exactly. 40 grand? I don't know. Whatever. And I didn't even know about the game was on that channel until you pointed it out like on Saturday morning. Mm-hmm. Like, hey, this game. Well, yeah, neither, neither did I. I was <laughs> expecting to watch it on Facebook. Because usually the, Hawaii's like, no, you cannot. Because I know San Diego State's tried before and other teams have tried before to, hey, can we broadcast it locally? And they're like, no, Hawaii's always no. So it's about as bad as League Pass blocking out people in Hawaii for like the Lakers, Kings, and whoever else. Mm-hmm. And you're like thousands of miles away. However, we missed a good one if you didn't watch it. 41-38. I started watching the condensed game to my internet side to not like me at home. And what I could see was Cole McDonald playing fairly well. Ronnie Rivers playing extremely well on the ground with one huge running play, doing doing what he does, running the ball. And just kind of what you expected a little bit overall with lots of points. I am surprised Fresno's offense played this well without having like plus five turnover margin in the game like versus, uh, who was it, UNLV where they did that in the second half. Mm-hmm. 
But Am I they, reading this right that Fresno State had four fumbles and they lost them all? Um, or is that a typo? I, that's a good question. I didn't watch that closely, and they may not have shown them all. Um, I'm seeing two drives that ended with fumbles. They have an interception, so they're minus that five. Be, that might be a typo. Hold on a second. Let's, um, oh, no, no, that's an interesting stat. If you win and you're minus five, you're right. They lost um, two fumbles. Okay. Maybe fumbled four times. Maybe, I don't know, whatever. They lost two fumbles. Stat broadcast got to get it together. Dude, stat broadcast is usually good, usually stellar. Um, kind of, I mean, kind of a weird game. Yeah. If you just look at the box score, just big plays all around. Like well, in total, Fresno State had 13 chunk plays that were pretty evenly distributed uh, among, you know, passing and, and rushing. Uh, and Hawaii was right there with 15 chunk plays, including nine on the ground, which might be the most surprising thing of all. That was for me too. Watching it, I kept, I'm like, are they running the ball? Why is that Hawaii running the ball? They're running the ball well. They had four, I mean, four rushing kind of, touchdowns. And it wasn't exactly an, uh, a pretty game either. Like if you if you look at JoJo Ward's touchdown, for instance, <laughs> where uh, Waylon Free... Um, Did somebody not, fall? Not his, not his best moment. You basically just fell down in coverage. Was it, JoJo was, Ward was wide open. Did he get confused because all green jersey thought nobody was there at the green player running on a green field? I really don't know. I watched Are You Playing Like He is... You like had to zoom the screen to f- try to maybe find somebody. Like, is it you really? I saw the hot dog guy on the screen. It's about it. There's nobody else. But hey, guess what? It didn't matter, Matt. Your team still got the victory despite a major blowdown on a pass defense play. Yeah, and you know they had to reach into their own bag of tricks to do that as well. And you know one one person in particular that a lot of Bulldogs fans have been clamoring more for is Jalen Cropper. And he ended up with one of the most unique style lines I think that you will probably ever see. Did you happen to notice that? What did, what did he have? No. So he had a 36-yard touchdown pass. He had three catches for 62 yards receiving and on he, seven targets. And he rushed the ball a couple times. And he had a 53-yard touchdown and 61-yard touchdowns total. I went to sports reference to see if I could find a box score like that. Uh, and it, it goes back to 2000. I could not find a single stat line that looked like that no cordell stewart i assume that's before that time before 2000 yeah. um you know rushing receiving and passing do you think what are the odds of him being named offensive player of the week i mean he might be in the conversation if he had I mean, a receiving he's definitely, he's definitely got some stiff competition like yeah. alani is definitely gonna have a case exactly four touchdowns gonna have a case <laughs> just say yeah probably not but had he had a receiving touchdown i'd probably put him in there well, and hey, Jared Rice finally showed up. Oh, good. Four for 46 in TD. Good job. Mm-hmm. No, it, this is a game where, if you watch it, like, it was a game where Fresno kind of pulled away. Or it was two halves, I should say, not pulled away, but pulled back within, being down 24-14, going up 31-24, and that fourth quarter is kind of back and forth. But this is a game where it's like, you, you being a Fresno guy, it's like, good, they got the win. I don't care how they got the win, but they got the victory. Good. Let's move on to the next game because – I mean, I don't – like, a, yeah, I mean, I don't know how much I learned about this team. Yeah, that's what you said. Like, eh, whatever. For other four, other than that, Hawaii, again, is like way too unpredictable. <laughs> is it more of Hawaii lost the game maybe? I don't know because they – I mean, it, it might be because when you look at Cole McDonald in particular, he was 21 of 42, 275 yards, and he had the touchdown and the interception, and he wasn't the one that led that comeback. It was yeah. Chevin Cordero who came yeah. in and had 71 yards through passing, and then he – what, did he have the game-tying touchdown on and the ground? He had, he had a brushing touchdown, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I don't know what the logic was behind making those moves at those particular points, but it's Rolo. Yeah, yeah. It's just kind of, it was one of those situations where 
you know, Hawaii for as good as they are in a lot of respects. And, you know, it's to their credit that they were still averaging almost seven yards of play. Um, and maybe that is just another indictment of how far Fresno State's defense has fallen off this year. But, you know, if they can't trust their quarterback situation, like what exactly are they going to do? Especially since they kind of wasted a really strong performance on the ground too. Yeah, they ran extremely well. They're probably yeah. their best running game all year, right? Probably, yeah. Something like that. So, but I think part of it too, Hawaii figured they got they're shooting for overtime basically when it's a minute left in that touchdown run. Then Fresno, their defense kind of lets them down. Where Fresno gets a fair catch and Reina leads them down for what three straight or two straight completions, a running pass. Like he he led that drive down there for mm-hmm. them in touchdown. He had the long run, or excuse me, the yeah yeah eleven yard run, and to get a first down plus two complete passes to get them in field goal range, and then. Ronnie Rivers got him that last little bit to get for a reasonably close field goal with no time left, essentially. Yeah, I don't know if I actually learned anything about either team. Okay, well, Fresno State go to the bowl game. They're about four and four now. They're four and four. They here's what they got coming up. They host Utah State. Maybe they go to San Diego State. Leaning no. Nevada at home. San Jose, San Jose State on the road. I think they can get two wins in that stretch. I really have no idea. I I think they can. I don't know. I mean, I think I think they could too, but they've been like so uneven over the last few weeks that I really have no idea. Also, I would not be overly surprised if they're four and eight. That too. <laughs> so it's um, I don't know. Did you know they're not winning all four? I'll tell you that. Yeah, that's probably they're true. They're not going too. eight and four. So let's get back. To, let's get to our quarterback conversation really quick. Sean Chambers is reportedly out for the year. Not confirmed one hundred percent yet, but I think they are supposed to Monday. have a press conference tomorrow, Monday. Yeah. What that means. He's out because it was over guys at 7220sports.com put out Saturday, no, Friday night, I think, I want to say. I didn't see it until Saturday morning. So they report he's out. They don't really specify what the injury is, but he got hurt a couple weeks ago. We kind of know. But I I can find tell. I look on Twitter stuff. I like how people go, like, why are you telling this? We could use this to help prepare for Boise State. I'm like, it wouldn't have mattered. You're going to run the ball 80 times a game. You're not going to rely on the passing game versus anybody. So it's not like it's a huge deal. I thought that was kind of funny. Then like keep it close to the vest. Why do? Why are you reporting this stuff? It's like whatever. But when a coach, when a team says we're not going to comment, we'll address it Monday, which means it's code for he's out for the year. Because mm-hmm. every other coach, like I do stuff for University of Utah, or you hear what Gary Anderson says Utah State, or you hear all these other coaches, Brian Harston. Hey, how how Hank Bach, how's Hank Bachmeier doing? Well, he's not out for the year. That's all I'll tell you. Or they say, like, in Utah's case, there was a couple injuries. Like, oh, running back, he's not out for the year. Tyler Huntley, quarterback, he's not out for the year. That's all. The only time they'll dress it is if he's out for the year. And if they say, and we'll talk about it Monday, he's out for the year. <laughs> so I'm I'm safe to say he's he's done. Does that change Like, does that change them the rest of the way for you? Or they still give it to Valaday and just run it and hope Vanderwall can go 2 of 10 or something passing the ball? Or not go 2 of 10, I should say. I feel much worse about their chances to make an impact in November. Especially the past two games, Chambers has been playing much better, percentage-wise. I mean, I'm assuming that we'll talk about this more in next week's preview podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, but just to, you know, <laughs> I'll just remind people of how bad the offense looked in the first half of last year. Yeah. Do you want and that, that was And that was, in, that was in a situation where they were trying to do the exact same thing. They were trying to run the football. But they had no passing game whatsoever. I would say this. I'm not going to say the running game is better this year without Nico Evans. It's close, I would say, because it's come on strong late. But 
it's a new quarterback, and Van and Vanderwall has already been proven to be a not reliable guy when he has had time. Mm-hmm. Like, the good thing is for him, he's not a new starter. That's one thing, right? But yeah. So speaking of quarterbacks, like what I was getting at is like, who's the best quarterback right now? Who would you take to lead your team, Matt? Out of all the quarterbacks, who would you say I want this guy? Well, that's a good question. I think I would probably still go with Hank Bachmeyer. Why is that? Well, because. I don't think we brought up this particular play when we were talking about the, the Spartans game, but you know there was uh, I think it was a third down run um, where he was running toward the goal line. He was running for the first down line, uh, and he basically tried to like do a Cam Newton kind of thing and just vaulted himself into the air. <laughs> and I think that that's the kind of characteristic I want in my quarterback. And okay. on the season, you know, he's still number two in the conference behind Donald Hammond in yards per attempt. You know, he's still completing 63% of his passes. He still has a better than two to one touchdown to interception ratio. So nine despite, to four, by the way. Yeah. So even despite the the time that he has missed, I think that the toughness, the willingness to stay in there and take a shot, and then the fact that he has the arm to be able to take those shots, you know, to me that kind of screams as, as good a package as you're going to get in this conference. So if he were not like if he had protection, you think he'd be much better? Oh yeah. <laughs> okay. I I I'm a, I don't know. I like him. I like Josh Love, Cole McDonald, Patrick O'Brien. I'd put in the mix as well. I guess if I were to pick one, uh, it's it's tough. It's like if you stick like what team would you stick him on? Those like your team or you just want to be if you're starting a team with a quarterback. It's hard to that's, argue. But that's what you asked me. I, I did said, ask which quarterback would I choose? I mean, and I'll just remind everybody that in conference play so far, um. He in he's he trails only Hammond as far as passer rating is concerned. Yes, because Hammond doesn't pull up when he's sorted by CFB stats apparently. Yeah, because he's had so few attempts. Um, probably Bachmeyer, but like I like Cole McDonald what he can do because of how crazy he throws the ball and what. But it's also his receivers group too. Somebody mentioned Ryan Agnew. I'm like maybe he's more just as accurate as uh, Bachmeyer. Uh, not as doesn't throw an intercept as often, which is basically they're basically the same almost. Uh, I don't know. I, I like Josh Love a lot. Maybe it's just because of what he's been doing against good teams, and they've been so bad lately. There's no, about. I, mean, I think that's fair. Uh, sure, why not? I'll go Josh Love just because. Trey, okay, I'm just going to put this out there. So, so uh, Bachmeyer among make me look group of, among group of five teams in conference play, um, he is fourth overall among all group of five quarterbacks and eleventh. At least, just one, as far as the ones that are sorted on CFB stats uh, in the FBS period. So I just want to. In what num- what's the category though? Passer rating. Okay, all right. It's pretty good. No, he's up there too. I I don't. Know. I like love Inter- because interestingly, he's like in a pack of four different freshmen. Interesting. You know, right there with Lane Hatcher of Arkansas State, uh, Dylan Gabriel at UCF, and Michael Penix Jr. at Indiana. Gotcha. Here's a reason where not to take love or why he would like he has those 400 passing games. Outside of the Boise game, they've come against bad teams like Nevada, New Mexico, and Arkansas. Mm-hmm. And so, I don't know. He just – I like what he's doing. He's, he's been – I've been watching him the past couple of years. So, just to be different, I'll say him. But, like, if we're going to go for – I don't know, maybe Patrick O'Brien too. He's got the receivers out there as well. But that's more of them than him, I'd say. If we're picking first and second team all conferences, is it Bachmeyer and Love for you? Or it'd be I think McDon- right now, McDonald? Yeah. Or McDonald? He has numbers. I think I would probably go Bachmeyer and Love. This is going to be like the running back situation a couple years ago with like J.J.I.E., Brian Hill, where somebody really good is not going to be taken like in the first or second team. 
Yeah, I think you're right. Let me ask you one last question here because we're on this who's good and who's really good. Who's player of the year? Ooh. Warren Jackson? Okay. Cedric Hill? I mean, Cedric well, Bird? Okay, so remind me, do they do player of the year based on what they do over the entire season or is it based off of what they do in conference play? I think it's just player of the year. It's Mountain West player of the year. So it's just overall? I'm guessing. I'd have to look into that or ask Jesse if he knows anything about it. Say, hey, Jesse, what's up with this? What's the award officially counting? I think it's everything. I mean, is it is it still Curtis Weaver? Offensive player of the year. Oh, offensive yeah, player of the year. I thought you just sorry. Oh, no. Um, Jackson's definitely in that conversation. Cedric I Bird? Still, yeah. I think you also have to make room in the conversation for both Amari Davis and Charles Williams. Amari Davis, really? He's number, I mean, he's number two in rushing yards right now, believe it or not. Sure, I guess it's my or bias of him being on a bad team. Yeah, I mean, he's been explosive. He's been putting up numbers, and he has seven touchdowns as well, so it's not like he isn't finding the end zone. It's true. I don't know. It's tough, right? There's there's definitely a conversation to be had, and there's still a lot of football left to play. I'll, let me ask you this. If you were to pick, if we give you quarterback or the field, what would you take? I think I would take the field. I might as well, even though McDonald has 25 to 12. But he's, it's uh, here's part of the award, too. I, we just kind of stumbled on this. Your team has to be actually pretty good, usually, to be considered for player of the year mm-hmm. for the most part. So if we look at, if we look at say, Boise State, obviously, because they're in the lead right now. Air Force, if you pick anybody like Timothy Jackson, but I don't think that's the case. If we look out West, I don't think Agnew or Jawad Washington. I don't think anybody from San Diego State is going to be offensive player of the year. So it's probably going to be, yeah, I take the field. I think a Hawaii receiver could get it. I don't know. Maybe. We'll see. All right, so that's all we got for today. We do have coming up, the, we mentioned the polls. Matt's working on a projecting the CFP playoff field or the top 25. That'll be Monday. We're putting that out. Yes, it will. And I'll make sure this week that bowl projections quickly on Tuesday night to kind of get to that after we know Boise's in or out. Um, I'm, I'm guessing to say Boise's not going to be your highest in a group of five team. Okay, so do you really want me to tease? <laughs> we know who there's only three teams that's going to be okay considered. you know what okay I'll, I'll, I'll tease it out so no you listen to the not. podcast you get it right you get it early come on yeah you'll see it tomorrow but to spoiler alert no they are not okay not shocking at all I it's uh it takes a bit more if you looked at my piece I did I'm gonna one more thing too about some work we're coming up I kind of did the or I have been doing like the hey ranking one loss undefeated whatever Ross put up a good point I'm gonna look into like whatever FPI or FEI stuff kind of or maybe even SP plus projected to win out because the American is pretty top heavy with four teams ranked right now and UCF right on the cusp. Mm-hmm. So they're doing pretty good. But I'm gonna look at schedule strength is a deal because if they lose like Memphis beat SMU. SMU still in the mix. Like Navy, they still get to play Notre Dame. That's still gonna be probably the best win out of any group almost could shoot them up to the top. But winning is another question. So I'm gonna go through and do instead of me just kind of eyeballing it who they got a little bit or just kind of what I feel from watching and reading on these teams, I'm going to go through more of the who's more likely to win out just because it's also a different thing. I don't want the same intro to my story every week. Let's look at these teams here. But if you look at advanced numbers, who's likely to win out, that could make Boise State our number one team this next week in that projection just because if they're most likely to win out, they're most likely to get that bid, right? There you go. So we'll look into that. But, yeah, check us at mwire.com. All of our written stuff, uh, we have, like we already mentioned, the other stuff coming out this week, next couple of days. We'll have week 11 already. Week, mm-hmm. 11. week 11 next week, and we'll be back uh, probably middle of the week to uh, get everybody going on that, and we'll see you next time.